So, welcome everybody. Um, I trust this is this is uh, working and going live. Um, my name is Tom Dennis. I'm the CEO of Serenity in Leadership. And um, I have an amazing panel today here to talk about the new ways to meet. So, um, why are we talking about the new ways to meet? How to do meetings right? Well, I've, I've been a facilitator and a, and, a, and a coach for a very long time, and I've seen meetings develop and um, a, adapt. But I think that the, the pandemic has really brought about a, a, a real challenge for people trying to uh, organize meetings. And so I thought it would be really good to e explore that. We're leaders in this space. And I've got this amazing panel of professionals in the DEI facilitation and meetings and events space. So um, I've got fantastic bios for, for, for everybody, but really um, I, I, I'll be sort of brief. Um, Charmaine, Charmaine's the head of DEI at City and Gills and has uh, been working in the DEI space for at least uh, 20 years. Um, Louise is the visionary behind the Homeworker Annual, which is a magazine and a platform dedicated to, support, to supporting individuals working from home. Viviana uh, Vicente is the VP of Client Experience at the Cultural Intelligence Center, which really is uh, looking at helping people uh, develop their cultural intelligence. And perhaps we'll find out a little bit more about that. Um, and Tanya. Tanya is, uh, uh, you, you host amazing retreats around the world and you've been doing it a, a long time, uh, creating epiphanies. I love that. So um, <laughs> to everybody, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. What, what I'd invite um, each of the, the, you to do, if you would, um, is just just in a in, in a sentence or so, what what is your what is your view on meetings and what is your sense about uh, how they're developing and what the 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 the, 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 uh, the the fundamental challenges are? You may need a bit more than a sentence, but Viviana, would you would you like to start? Sure, I can start. Well, many views on meetings, but I believe that most people would have an expectation, even though we can um, predict that different expectations will come uh, from different attendees. But I think most people value their time and what they expect is that coming out of a meeting, they will not have the feeling that their time has been wasted or that they, had, they could have spent that time doing something else, something of more value. So I think that this could be a framework for all of us either planning or attending or contributing to meetings could come in with. Am I wasting my time or am I wasting anybody's time? I think that would be the worst outcome to any meeting. And if we work from that idea, we can make meetings more enjoyable, productive, meaningful. Fantastic. So that was the one sentence. <laughs> Thank you. Louise. Yeah, hi. Um, I think sort of talking from perhaps the remote working perspective and the fact that most a lot of our meetings are now done remotely or in a hybrid sense, um, there seems to be, and I'm getting this from businesses that I speak um, to, individuals that I speak with, this sense that we're sort of having too many meetings. It's become almost the default way now of getting work done, particularly if we're remote and not seeing people in person. It's let's have a meeting. So I feel that perhaps we're looking at, as Viviana said, making sure those meetings are really purposeful and there's a real intention behind them but also that we are challenging the meeting perhaps a bit more. Does it need to be a meeting? Does everybody who's attending need to be there? 
Um, and I think that's a big question to be asking at the moment as well. Mm, thank you. Tanya. Mm, I do think the economics of a meeting are very important, but um, the premise of a meeting is actually an exchange, you know, a dialogue, a place where we come together to co-create, to actually merge different ideas. And that's what I don't see happening very often. I think what people are really craving is a sense of connection. I think the reason the number of meetings are through the roof is we don't have another way of coming together in a heartfelt space to be humans and to exchange. And so when we think about the purposefulness of meetings, I would also want to include outcomes like building trust, building connection, building knowledge and care for one another which is hard to orchestrate in this somewhat more artificial kind of context. Yeah, thank you. Charmaine. Yeah, I'm having connection issues. I keep dropping in and out, so apologies in advance. Um, but yeah, I hope you can hear me. And just to echo what everybody else has said really around the purpose and the value that everyone gets out of a meeting and the different needs that individuals come to those meetings with. So a lot of the clients that I tend to work with and organizations, it's focused on how do we meet the needs of everybody in that space and then connected back to the purpose of the meeting. You know, what outcomes, does everybody know why they're there? Um, and then that need for connection. Right, thank you. Um, ho hopefully you, you can um, hear me also, Charmaine. Um, you're coming over fine um, at, at the moment. So while, while we've got you, in case we, we, we lose you, I, I wondered um, what are some of the challenges organizations encounter when they don't consider diversity or different cultural frames of reference when conceiving meetings uh, and events? And I think there's the practical, practical aspects of it in terms of how you structure the meeting set up, whether it's face to face and remote and how accessible those can be. But I think the challenges that um, organisations face really is about how you get everybody to contribute, people understanding why they're there, what the ask is of them and what you want them to contribute. And we're all very different and we learn in different ways and contribute in different ways. So it's about looking at different methods of allowing people to contribute in those spaces. And the challenges are that we tend to go for that one size fits all generically, you know, and expect certain types of behaviours, such as everybody feeling comfortable to raise their hand in a meeting or speak up, but different people respond in different ways. And some people need more time with the content ahead of the meeting to be able to form their um, response and do their thinking, or it might be after the meeting. So the challenges of how do you prepare and set up for a successful meeting, and most of the work comes probably before and after the meeting than in the meeting itself. Thank you. Viviana, you, you, you've been agreeing a lot of this. <laughs> As Charmaine has been speaking, um, what 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 uh, what's your what are your thoughts on this? For sure, yes, I echo everything that Charmaine was saying, and the preparation, sometimes logistic, but also a bit philosophically, how we prepare for meetings, understanding that people will come with different expectations, and making sure that everyone uh, understands what it's the purpose of each meeting. Some people will expect that a decision will be made. Some people will expect to listen only or to contribute. So making it clear what is expected of all. And also, as Charmaine said, adjusting for how each person, each attendee prefers to contribute and prefers to absorb the information. So that's about being culturally intelligent, as you know, Tom. <laughs> but honestly, we know that when you have a diversity of cultural backgrounds, and even in a homogeneous group, you will find different individual preferences. 
in terms of how people communicate, how they want to learn information, if they are more visual, if they're auditory learners, how they prefer to receive information and also to express their information. So speaking of a few cultural preferences or individual preferences that may uh, come from a cultural background, people who are more individualistic will feel more comfortable expressing their ideas and their opinions. And those on a collectivistic side might wait to hear the opinion of others. And that might be misinterpreted. People may think that they don't have an opinion of their own, and they do. They just want to understand or be respectful in their mind. That's about being respectful in hearing what others have to say before they then express their opinion. Or those with what we call a high power distance orientation, a more hierarchical approach to leadership or to relationships, may want to hear from the leader first, or may be a bit less comfortable challenging what the leader is saying. And again, that doesn't mean that they're not competent, that they don't have ideas. But to them, it may be more comfortable to share um, a disagreement or a different opinion in a different form. Are we then allowing people to share those in different ways? As Charmaine was saying, maybe after the meeting, maybe in writing, maybe in private. So accounting for those different preferences and making sure every preference is included and you're being inclusive is also very important. Wow, yes, there's, there's so much that you've said there. <laughs> Um, uh, Tanya, have you, it, 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 what, what, what's, what's your thoughts on this? I think um, as I'm reflecting on the meetings that I run, which uh, are often in a retreat setting, so multi-day meetings or workshops um, or meetings um, for large groups, a little known fact is that my measure for planning is always two and a half times the um, amount of time set aside for the meeting. And I think it's a really good uh, marker to have in mind because often people don't realize, you know, if you have a one hour meeting, are you spending at least one hour planning it? In my case, I would spend two and a half hours planning the meeting. And to a lot of people that sounds extraordinary, but really I think it's the responsibility we have to think through who is attending, what are their needs, what preparation is required, what is the flow of the meeting, the outcome, what are the anticipated um, uh, excitement points that I might want to add greater value to, what um, challenges might exist. How can I plan to follow up the meeting before it's even happened so that I'm already thinking of what I'm capturing? And what is the clear moment I know when to close the meeting? And all of those things take a lot of thoughtfulness. I think the reason there are so many meetings and they take so long and they seem very repetitive is we have this very lazy tendency to just show up and and assume that if we all get in the room and start talking, we'll get to where we're going. But that would kind of be like us, you know, all just getting in a bus and then once we're in the bus saying, so like, who's gonna drive and where are we going? And does someone have a map? And you know, like that's going to be a really long journey. So I think there's a real need to emphasize that meetings are the end, you know, the outcome of a lot of thoughtfulness um, that should go in first. <laughs> I can, I can, I, I mean, hearing all this, I, I, you know, I, as, as an organizer of a meeting, I'm projecting onto somebody and saying, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> And yet, it's like the, the amount of time that you invest in these things, you get back. Um, but boy, have you got to invest in the first place. I remember I, 
used to teach. Um, it, it, we had a program that was called um, uh, the Frontline Manager, and one of the the uh, sessions was about how to run a meeting. And what we did was run a meeting to plan how to run the meeting, <laughs> and it was chaos. And but through <laughs> that chaos came an understanding of the the amount of work that was needed to set up the meeting. <laughs> Louise, um, it, it, I yeah, I've been anything. listening to everyone and not nodding away, and I agree. And I, I mean, even just going back to what Viviana was saying about the sort of cultural differences as well, because I myself remember an experience that I was interviewing someone about where their manager was on mute for the majority of the meeting but nobody felt able to speak up and let the manager know that they couldn't actually hear him. So there was 20 minutes of that meeting completely wasted. So I think the point about everyone feeling safe as well to speak up and talk and, and let people know, and that obviously was a, a cultural thing um, as well. Um, but I think the safety is very important. And again, from what other people have been mentioning, I think the, the leadership as well here, because you have to know your team, you have to know who's going to be in that meeting. You, like Charmaine and Tanya was talking about their people's needs. Um, you know, when you know who's there and, and everybody has that sort of safe, that sense of safety, then people will start to contribute and you can guide them and you can give them what they need in advance. So I think that preparation is very important. And it's been talked about the sort of the before and the after, obviously, Nowadays, if we are doing a lot of remote meetings, there is also this degree of flexibility that has to be included and people perhaps contributing to a meeting after the event as well. So a lot of sort of asynchronous meetings or sort of collaboration happening as well. So I think all of that needs to be taken into account too. And people working in different time zones, um, in different, um, whether it's some hybrid, remote, in-person, and sometimes you're trying to bring all of this together and it is a bit of a minefield. It's difficult. It's a big challenge at the moment for everyone. So I think having that, that planning time, having the, the purpose and, and knowing the people well is really important. Um, but as I say before, as is understanding whether the meeting is the best format and way of getting done what you need to get done, because in some cases, a phone call is actually better or an emailed document or something shared, you know, on a different platform. So I think all of these things, you know, we need to start questioning. And I really liked what Tanya mentioned about, do we know when to end a meeting? Because I think one of the problems with meetings is they can drag on sometimes. We don't have a final outcome where we understand, okay, this is what we've achieved. Now we go ahead and we know what action we're meant to be taking as a result. And I think that's also a problem where people are stuck in meetings for, for too long and, and the right outcome or the, the thing that they want to get done isn't actually achieved. That I think is, is where the, the, the power of um, actually having a facilitator for a meeting really comes in because uh, the, the facilitator carries that responsibility and he, he, he or she has sorted that out with the leader in advance. So if it's going to be an hour's meeting, it's going to end in an hour. That's it. Uh, and if there's things that come up, then you're, you're applying a discipline that says, right, well, we haven't got any more time. This is what we contracted to and we're going to take this bit away and deal with it in a certain way. But when you're just in a meeting with colleagues, it's so easy to lose that boundary. Uh, and and uh, that that can be sort of very depressing. Yeah, I mean, just one point on that as well, because and I think Tanya has referred to it a bit, but the importance of also this connection, because I think it is important. And again, I'm talking here probably through the lens of people doing remote meetings a lot, is that we lose sometimes that element of being together, of feeling connected. So I think sometimes we have to look at when we're structuring a meeting, are we also including time or having a meeting that's specifically for just some social interaction, some connection? You know, what questions are we asking to start people off or at the end of, you know, the process? Because 
we do sometimes need short efficient effective meetings at the same time we need to be able to facilitate a degree of connection getting to know each other because obviously that builds trust and therefore safety so it all kind of leads into one another um, but I think there's a balance between having something that's very efficient and outcome focused which is important and also having a chance for people to connect and get to know each other and and perhaps talk about the non-work stuff as well at times. Mm, yeah. Tanya, did you want to add something? It looked as if you were. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I also find it fascinating that um, many of us have become trapped in this notion that if we meet, we're meeting for 60 minutes, it seems to be the norm. And it's sort of, we've become conditioned that a conversation needs to take 60 minutes. And I really push against that one with my clients. You know, if you know the point at which, uh, if this meeting has an outcome of an, uh, an agreement on a decision, as soon as we agree, the meeting is over. It doesn't matter if there are 20 minutes left. It's like, thank you, goodbye. There's 20 minutes back to you. Um, and I think um, it's really important to challenge the clock and it's not the clock that should determine um, what we're doing. The tip that I give most of my clients as well is to never book a 60 minute meeting, to um, restrict the calendar to book only a 50 minute meeting so that you always at least have a 10 minute interstitial in between each meeting to do the very necessary note taking and biology needs and everything else um and so yeah just it's important to look at these mechanisms around us and um and challenge those yes such wise wise words <laughs> um uh, I was, I was, Louise, I want to point this one at, at you first mm. off. Um, what are the key challenges people who primarily work from home are encountering? And how much pressure are they experiencing to return to the office to meet in person? If I touch on the pressure point, first of all, I think that is very dependent on the organization that they work, that some places are, are pushing for people to get back and do everything in person. Um, others are, are happier for people to be coming in remote. So I think that's so dependent on the organization, the type of work that you're doing and, and the, the team and perhaps even the specific project that you might be working on at that time. But in terms of challenges, um, I think we've sort of referred to it a little bit, but one of them is this sense that we're having meetings all the time. I know anecdotally, and I also know, again, I was chatting with a business not long ago, doing some work with them. They were just effectively in back-to-back -back meetings. So no one, and, and it, because it's that way that everyone feels they have to do work, because if they're working from home, that's how they get to see people and that's how they're gonna chat. Um, they are literally sort of a full day sometimes of, of meetings and there's no space between those meetings to, you know, prepare for the next one or reflect on and process on the one that they've just had, which is so important because, so I think that sort of looking at how we're filling our day and, you know, our scheduling of meetings is really important, making sure we're having enough space in between. I think the other thing to mention, and it touches a little bit on the sort of inclusivity side is you have some people working at home with all the tech, the fancy cameras and the brilliant microphones. And you have other people perhaps in a sort of a dark room in a not a brilliant space. And I think that can become a problem because if you're not as visible and not as audible and you know, you're not going to come across as well, people are not going to engage as well. And we look, we need to look very carefully at sort of, parity of voice, I think as well, particularly in a hybrid setting where some people are dialing in, some people are in person, is everybody getting the same? I'll use a phrase that I, I heard from somebody when I was interviewing them on sort of similar topic, but um, pixel equity, which I think is quite a funny one, but yes, it's about people getting the sort of equal opportunity to speak and have their voice heard um, and again, whether they're in person or whether they're dialing in remotely, is everybody um, 
getting the same opportunity and yeah so I think those are some of the sort of perhaps the big challenges that I see but particularly this time for pause and reflection which not everybody is getting enough of. Charmaine what's what's your take on this? Yeah I think very very similar really um, and I noticed that you know perhaps just coming out of the pandemic uh, you know I'd um, attend some meetings and the majority of people would have their cameras off and just to that point of connection if you feel like you're speaking to yourself or that everybody's got their cameras switched on it's even more of a gap and a distance so how do you encourage that because I think you're right there is that connection when you're um, working remotely being able to see somebody is part of that uh, connection so I think that's really really important to, to have that and I think the back into the office remote versus um, you know in person I think the in person has got to have much more pull to people than perhaps it did pre-pandemic days so what you know back to the purpose of the meeting what's in it for me um, getting some energy around that connection and building a bit of social element into it where you probably wouldn't have done in the past and I think that's also important because people have got comfortable with as long as the technology works um, doing remote meetings so I think that it's almost having to make more effort in the in-person meeting for everybody and really taking that sort of inclusive approach so everybody's involved in that I think the airtime bit is um, really important that the louder voices are the ones that sort of tend to speak up and that can push people into the background, so the hierarchy. And I think the culture of the organisation really shows up in the quality of the meetings as well. Thank you. Viviana. Yes, I think um, most of the challenges have been listed already, but I see that many people who work remotely may see themselves at a disadvantage because they're not part of the impromptu conversations, yes. the water cooler conversations. They're not inserted in that office climate that impacts things, impacts relationships, and the way we build connections, as we said, we build trust. And so when you are together, and if it's a hybrid model and people have at least a chance to get together once in a while, that can be partially remedied, that people have an opportunity to bond over coffee, over a meal, and get exposed to real nuances of the human behavior that really help build trust, build those connections that reveal a lot about people's approach to life, to relationships, to work, and the way of getting things done, the way of making decisions, the way of interacting as a team. So I would say, especially when we talk about intact teams, I think it's very important that organizations create those opportunities. And in terms of meetings, when it is really necessary to have a hybrid meeting, that you build that time for the social connection. And I've been in those, I work remotely most of the time, and I've been in those. We tend not to prefer hybrid meetings, but sometimes it is necessary, we all know that that allows for more people to participate. It allows for more accessibility, for cost savings in terms of travel. But when we do have to use that, that model, a hybrid model, we have to build in that time for social connection. We have to build in opportunities. And if those who are in person are getting together for, say, a coffee break or a meal and enjoying a meal together, maybe even sending a goodie bag to those who are participating remotely so that they, they feel appreciated and they also have that time, something that can bond them even from a distance. Such lovely ideas. <laughs> yeah. I was part of a very nice remote meeting once. There were quite a few of us. People were all sent a little box in advance so that when everyone came onto the meeting, we all had 
a drink it was this I think we could have chosen like a couple of drinks and we all had something to eat but there was a sense already then of this common ground and something shared and that connection so I think those sorts of ideas are really good if, you, if you're having to do that you know particularly if it's a special occasion or an event mm. Tanya is there anything you want to add to all of that I think it's all about, you know, how can I make each person feel included and anticipating what would be an impediment to them being able to show up, whether that has to do with, you know, where they are in the organization or the opinions that they represent or where, you know, the the um, where they are physically in regards to the meeting. It's that thoughtfulness um, that should, I think, influence how you facilitate uh, any meeting and going forward. And I think that's what everybody is speaking um, here to today. Yes, yes. So um, what opportunities are missed? if organizations don't embrace or encourage in-person meetings? Maybe that's quite controversial, I don't know. <laughs> who, who would like to pick that up? <laughs> I'm happy to start because I'm a big, you know, much of my work is about creating in-person experiences. And I don't know that they, um, they should be the only experiences we have. But I do see that uh, when people are showing up on retreat, they are showing up, you know, dehydrated um, for human contact, for that real sense of resonance that happens between us uh, as our brains coalesce and come into frequency sharing as our systems align to one another. We are mammals with um, an ability to actually create very strong energetic network. And it's something that we don't realize we miss until we get together. And I had um, a recent beautiful experience with a very resistant 300 person um, you know, management level of an organization that we actually brought together for a one day um, event. And what was most incredible was how everyone just oriented towards one another. It's like watching sunflowers just turn towards the sun. And it was like, oh, it is actually fun to be together and to see one another to greet each other as humans. And there's so much wondrous things that happen when we work remotely and hybrid. I'm a huge fan. And there is something special when we get together in person. There's a reason we continue to meet our families for special holidays in person. You know, if it was the same to do it um, in a, a remote setting, we'd, we'd have gravitated to that. We haven't. Yeah, yeah I, I could add something around what we miss when we're in person. And I should because I should clarify, you know, obviously, I work for the homework, and I talk about working from home and remotely a lot. But that doesn't mean that I believe everything we do should be done remotely. So the I think the other point is, is around communication as well. Because obviously, when we're in person, and when we're communicating, you know, we communicate in so many ways, obviously, the, what, what we're speaking with, but we know about body language, there are micro expressions and things that we sometimes miss, they don't always translate well across a screen. So I think there's that sort of thing as well. So depending on the nature of the conversation that you're having, sometimes it might be better, um, particularly if you want to get a real grasp and understanding of the, the person or the people that you're speaking with, or this, you know, you need a sort of a good deal of empathy. Sometimes those situations are perhaps done better in person. Um, and as I say, if you are going to be doing it remotely, the, the cameras on situation, I think that's an area that we need to, people need to understand that the connection and the trust is built when the cameras on. And the only point I want to mention on that quickly is just 
I know that there are some companies who go, you know, cameras on all the time. It's exhausting. We're looking at ourselves a lot. We're looking at other people that there's a fatigue that comes as a result of, of that. So I think sometimes it's worth going, maybe you have one day a week where you can have cameras off or one day a week where there's no meetings or there's an understanding of when people might feel uncomfortable to have their camera on for, for, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, the, the connection is important. So the question around what we miss, my point on that really was around the communication and some of the things that aren't translated as well when we're doing it remotely. I agree with Louise. I think that this frame here, where we are today, it reveals only so much about each of us and how we prefer to interact and how we're most comfortable and most effective. So again, it's necessary, but we miss something when we never meet in person. And um, being in person allows for, again, those surprising, maybe those unexpected acts, words that in the, in the screen where we meet when we're doing so remotely is a bit more contained and it needs to be contained. Now, speaking from a facilitator's perspective, I'm a very expressive person, but if I facilitate a whole session doing all the hand gestures that I usually do when I'm in person, it's going to be distracting. Distracting from the content that I'm trying to impart. It's going to be, if I do this all the time, it's going to be too much. Um, across the screen. In person, if I'm in a real classroom, it's not that distracting. It actually helps draw attention to the points that I need to draw attention to. So what we do is it, it needs to be a bit more contained. So it's not all that we are even at work. It can't be. And so I think that we do need to preserve some opportunities to meet in person. Charmaine. But yeah, yeah I was just going to yeah. say, actually, all of those things. I think the point around um, cameras on all the time, it can be really exhausting. And for certain, you know, individuals, it's really difficult. So sometimes it's just putting the, ca the camera on to say hi and then letting you know that they're going to kind of turn their camera off. So I think it's very much about the context and the situation and really knowing individuals and planning around that, you know, really knowing your audience. I think also... Um, you know, creating a safe space where it gives us permission to test and trial things. So the meeting doesn't have to be perfect, but to review and reflect and get feedback on, did that work for you? How did it go? What could we do differently next time? Giving ourselves permission to test and trial things out and then get the feedback and suggestions because we're kind of all developing in this um, space really. So I think those are the things that are really kind of key to moving that forward. So. It's not ever going to be one size fits all. It's about getting that balance for everyone, you know, the audience and what will work for them. It's an interesting point, this about uh, should the you know, cameras be on or not. And uh, I remember before the pandemic working um, in a bank uh, and they were reducing their office space. So the only option was to... Uh, have hot desking and for a lot of the people to be working from home a lot of the time. And there was a huge resistance um, from sort of middle management who all of a sudden found that they didn't have um, that control, that sense of being in control of the people that they were managing because they were going to be at home and they couldn't be sort of supervised. And there was this enormous lack of trust like well if they're going to be working from home they're they're going to be out to the dentist they're going to be walking their dog they're going to be caring for the baby they're not going to be doing any work uh and i think the the the, the pandemic uh, enabled a lot of people to see that this can actually work quite well but i i, I do sense quite often when when people switch their cameras off for a lot of people the response is what are they doing you know, are they doing their own emails? Uh, you, you know, how how present are they? So it's a it's a real sort of balancing thing. Um, and and uh, 
it becomes a factor of trust, I think, sometimes, mm. to um, for people to feel okay about having the cameras off sometimes, because, as you say, it can be very tiring and so on, but at the same time, to still remain present. And actually, I, I found myself that when, for some reason, I've switched the camera, I, I, I tend to always keep my camera on, but if I switch it off, I... I there's a there's a little bit of a naughty boy that comes in. You say, "Well, they can't see me now, so what can I do?" <laughs> you have to be careful, though. <laughs> Don't know if you remember some of the horror stories that came out during lockdown. Some of the <laughs> moments that got caught on camera accidentally because people thought the cameras were off and and they weren't. But I mean, I, I talk about the um, presenting on camera and and perf also performing, but coming across on camera quite a lot as part of my work because actually my background was in broadcasting before going into the more of the, the magazines but the um the thing around trust is really important so yes the camera's on um and it's interesting here that none of us here have um a blurred background or a green screen I see that a lot um absolutely nothing wrong with that in my view like and, and there are reasons that people will have those but just to come on the, the trust point of view, it can sometimes almost feel the same as, um, you know, if you've got your camera off, because people can be a bit more interested in what, where are you? What are you hiding? What's behind that, that, that background? Um, and that can almost be as distracting as, you know, someone, you know, who's over gesticulating, like Viviana was saying, because people concentrate on that, what they can't see. And so actually your background is, is really important in a meeting as well. And, you know, be careful what you've got in your background, because if it is really visible, make sure you're not <laughs> showcasing something that you don't want people to see. Or, you know, if you're talking to, um, you know, there's a safety security issue there as well. You know, have you got a whiteboard behind you with your next quarter strategy <laughs> on for everyone <laughs> watching? You know, so there's all sorts of things that people can, you know, you just don't you need to just be aware of sometimes that you don't think about. Yeah. I, if I may add, and this is such an important point, I was going to comment um, also along with the confidentiality, privacy, right? So it's your own privacy if you're working from your own home, but even if you're not, uh, if you're joining a meeting from an office, are you protecting the privacy of others? if you have someone sitting next to you, someone who may walk by. I think it's everyone's duty to protect someone's privacy if they're in the same space, in the same physical space. So I think that all of us need to, to pay attention to that. And also the privacy of those who are in the meeting. If someone can overhear what's going on in the meeting, someone who is sitting next to you, you're not protecting the privacy of meeting attendees. So I think we should all share that responsibility as well. Charmaine? Yeah, no, totally agree with that. And that's, the, you know, the sort of challenge of, you know, being in an office space and um, working at home. And a lot of the clients that I work with are neurodiverse. And so I don't have a background on, but normally when I'm working and coaching, I do have a background on because my background can be quite distracting for the individual to do their thinking as well. So I think it's knowing... Uh, who you're working with and what their preferences are. So I'll balance it between the, the two because all of the distractions around can be quite um, a challenge for them as well. So I think the you know, on the, on the point of having sort of cameras on and off, it's just something that they also have to consider. You know, a lot of clients I know will don't like looking at themselves or they'll hide themselves on the screen because there's too many things to focus on while they're doing their thinking. Yeah. I, I think um, Viviana, you, you mentioned it earlier on, but th there's all the, also this this piece about hierarchy, uh, and um, uh, you know, s s different people have very different home circumstances, and so somebody's sort of um, perched on the end of a bed in their sort of their bed seat, and uh, somebody else is in this magnificent. Uh, office in the garden with you know wonderful things and, and actually I think you have to think about that a bit because sometimes that can be quite de um, divisive um, e even with, with the best intentions 
Um, and, uh, you know, some organizations have really looked at ways in which they can help people with their home equipment and others have kind of uh, made a load of assumptions which has, have, have left some people really quite disadvantaged. So I, I think organizations need to, to think about that as well. So um, we, this, has been a, this has been a sort of fascinating um, conversation and I think perhaps I ought to uh, round it out a little bit and I'm very aware, Tanya, as you said, you, you should, we should be finishing at the 50 minutes rather than the hour. <laughs> But um, so let's, can I hear from, from each of you in a, in a sentence, um, what kind of meetings should we be running in 2024? What's just a, a, a highlight? Um, Viviana, do you want to go first? <laughs> okay. So maybe if not a full sentence, a few words. Inclusive, meaningful, enjoyable. Lovely, lovely, thank you. Charmaine? Oh yeah, maybe a bit longer than a sentence. I think meetings that really do create value for everybody involved, um, that ena enables everyone to contribute. Mm. Thank you. Tanya? I think, um, you know, all the things said, so I won't repeat them. I would add, um, this world needs so much from us right now. Some meetings that remind us that we are good humans trying to live good lives. You know, the outcome of the meeting should always have that human component to it. And that would, I think, shift a lot of what's happening around us i can't help but say say a little bit more i think sometimes we forget that at the end of the day we're humans we, we are most attracted to the moment when we can sit down at a cafe table and just strike up a conversation. And I have the sense that if I were to run into any of you at a, a little cafe, we would chat for a good hour and a half about everything and nothing. And really the outcome of that moment as we left one another is just to say, wow, you know, aren't, aren't humans wonderful? Aren't people great? Aren't stories incredible? Aren't we able just to connect something magical in a moment? And I think we, you know, in all of our great desire to work well and to structure meetings, we sometimes forget that, you know, we're creatures that just want to bond. So I think meetings in 2024 need us to bond. And if we do that, we won't tolerate the intolerable choices that are being made in some parts of the world right now and for some communities and for some people. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Louise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know if I can go back to that. <laughs> it's a lovely sentiment. I wish meetings all were like that. My, my thought, you know, coming back to sort of meetings in a sort of that sense of we needing to get things done intentional inclusive um purpose driven i suppose outcome focused and i guess as short as possible <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so um I, i'd really like to thank you all for for um for, for 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 coming um tanya you're in mexico it's um very early in the morning for you and, and i really appreciate your joining and bringing your wisdom and experience um louise right up there in the smallest county in the, the country in rutland um yeah. uh, it was such a pleasure to meet you and to see that you created this thing called the home worker and and, and how it, how much interest there was, my goodness, when I, I <laughs> saw you in, in, in that. 
Viviana, you're you're in Madrid, and um, uh, I I so really um, respect the work that you're doing around cultural intelligence and spreading the word that that there is this thing called CQ, uh, and that because we're in such mm. such a, um, a a melting pot of bringing people together from different parts of the world and different social backgrounds and different different everything having cultural intelligence really can help uh, people um, join more effectively and more happily um, and I guess more respectfully um, and Charmaine at, at City and Guilds uh, the only person in London <laughs> out of this this, this wonderful uh, group working working in the, the DEI space for such a long time and um, bringing a, a, about such a, a important conversations um, around people of difference uh, and and really holding that space so beautifully so thank you um, <clears throat> so um, if uh, for, 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 for those who of you who are viewing we will end a couple of minutes early i'm very chastened by tanya um, <laughs> but if your organization finds itself in a position where you want to change um, then serenity and leadership um, that's what we do we help organizations change their cultures um, and uh, if uh, if you have a meeting and you need a facilitator then we'd love to help you with that because it really does bring a very positive um, uh, a slant uh, uh, to it. So give us a call. Um, look us up on LinkedIn or on, on the, the website, serenityandleadership.com. And uh, if there are things that we can help you with that are challenging, then please, please do, do uh, get in touch. So finally, and to all of you, thank you so much for joining. Um, it's been an amazing pleasure to, to hear from uh, you all. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And I'm now going to switch off being live. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>